Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called Hulk Smashed. That title was provided by Edgevid Anderson. Thank you very much for providing that on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by my good friend, Matt Two-Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Oh, it's going great. I'm having a fine and relaxed day, and I certainly didn't plan two whole days of activities to fit into one. Fine. Certain people I know. Fine, I did that, and I just finished watching the race seven minutes ago. So, yeah, maybe my analysis won't be as tight and expert as it normally is. Just this once, I might have to wing it and rely on my expert panel. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean, who knows I'm always right when it comes to racing incidents. Yeah, we'll get to that one later because you definitely are. But thank you for having me back for the last race of the 2018 season. I love it when there's a whose fault is this and I'm right, and all you guys disagree with me. It just makes it a lot more fun, Jeansy. Fun, frustrating, depends which side of the conversation you're on. And good news, we have a new face looking after the chat room for us today. It's Sarah Nickel. How's it going, Sarah? Hi there, Spanners. Thanks for having me on, even if it is the last race of the season. But, you know, I'll look forward to... uh learning exactly how to moderate the chat room on this tiny screen that I've realised is a really bad setup. We can talk about setups later. Uh, thanks for joining us, Sarah. It is not a slight. We haven't just waited until the last race of the season to, to drag you in. Welcome to the panel. Uh, guys, uh, we need to talk about the qualifying and the pre-race stuff. And funky rights-free music is the way we signal that that is about to happen. Trumpets, what's your pick of the things that went on before the actual green lights went out? I think there are really only three important things that came out of qualifying. The most important for the race, probably, was that uh, good old Max Verstappen was unable to make Q3. 
on the ultra soft tires that all of the other top runners had no trouble with. Well, okay, Ricciardo barely squeaked through, but I won't really discuss that. Um, and that may have been down to either a, a team misunderstanding or a Verstappen problem with the get ready temperature of the tires. He felt they were too warm and didn't have enough grip. The long and short of it is he wound up starting the race on the hyper soft tires. Also important is that Mercedes, now that the only thing at risk was uh, Botas, incredibly important fourth place in the uh, World Drivers' Championship, <laughs> was the only thing at stake, decided they could safely run their new trick wheels. And to the best of my knowledge, they did so the entire weekend with, well, somewhat predictable results, you might say. In that, it made them good. It made them, yes, very oh, it's, good. It's just very you good. said that in a way that sounded like it should be obvious what the answer was but i just wanted to confirm that because i've been very wrong on this kind of thing before so good we've got that confirmed jeansy what is it about lewis hamilton that he can suddenly come out in a session and be nearly seven tenths faster than everybody else the the only explanation i can think of in my head apart from the fact he's superhuman is that bottas is in the only car capable of matching him and he just dropped to the ball in that session i watched that lap from the outside that's all i saw and it just seemed absolutely pinpoint. I think Merck have all Merck and since 2014 have had an upper hand in qualifying. Um, and I think Lewis can just turn it on. Could Max, could Seb have got any closer on that lap? I can't possibly tell you. But, um, but no, I think Bottas just hasn't got it compared to Lewis at all. I can't believe that Alex missed any opportunity to discuss tyres because clearly... If nothing else, the tires were dead perfect for that lap. It was stunning, though. And no, I don't think uh, Vettel or Ferrari could have matched it because they don't have the uh, cool new rear wheels. But aside from that, another interesting twist before even qualifying was the protest of Force India by Haas and the subsequent decision, which seemed pretty much like they lost all of the points they made except for the really important one that Force India is now been deemed by the stewards to be an officially new team, which presents a lot of ramifications for Liberty and the prize money, which we will probably, if there is time, discuss later. Or next week. But yes, that is definitely an interesting subject. I love how you bring everything to tyres. Oh, Mr. Trumpets, you've become a parody of yourself. And in typical cliché trumpets form, why don't you tell us where the race was won and lost? I would be delighted to do that. And of course, critical always in any Formula One race, but especially at this um, track that is not necessarily renowned for its ease of overtaking. Don't say tyre temperature in FP1. Ease of overtaking. Right. That um, Verstappen had a problem at the start. Now, if we recall, he was the one on the grippy tires and was supposed to make the quick launch and be able to get ahead of everybody before turn one. And instead, he started reasonably well and then drove backwards to to 10th place by the time he was halfway down the first straight. And it turns out this was because his engine went into some sort of overheating protection mode that essentially robbed him of all ability to actually compete until uh, he got that sorted out around lap four or five. Sarah, did you have that same sense of joy as we found Max Verstappen suddenly behind Esteban Ocon? Oh, thank you, Formula One gods. Thank you for this gift. 
I must admit, I was kind of sitting there hugging a cushion the whole time, every corner, every moment for that whole thing. It was brilliant. I loved it. <laughs> that that noise you heard of somebody hitting a mic was Jeansy putting his hand up. Uh, go ahead, please. I wasn't putting my hand up. I'm done. Oh, fantastic. Well, at least we know you're there. If you could periodically tap the mic with I'm, your... I'm, having, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm having an issue with my thing. I don't know what I'm doing. So. <laughs> well, I'm there having, you have it. I'm having a technical moment. Jeansy is having an issue with his thing. Continue, it, Trumpets, telling us where the race was won and lost. Naturally enough, the, the next uh, critical moment in the race came when the safety car was out to uh, to extract uh, Hulkenberg and get the uh, destroyed remnants of his car off track. And that was critical because, that's right, you guessed it, it allowed Verstappen um, several laps of grace on his hypersoft tires, which would have been starting to go at that point had they been going all out from the start. Instead, he got three or four extra laps out of them because of the safety car period. And then immediately after that, as if this race wasn't already exciting enough at the beginning, um, uh, Raikkonen just like, I, I guess, got tired or something. He just like pulled over across the finish line and stopped. And boom, here comes a virtual safety car ready to help out yet again. Well, this was a weird one, wasn't it, with the virtual safety car? So yes, noted that the safety car itself and we will come to the incident and talk about the halo and whose fault it was, that that safety car gave us the extra tyre life and changed the strategy in that way. But it was lap five, wasn't it, that Raikkonen pulled over? So surely no one watching, am I the only one? I was sat there going, well, obviously that's not in the in the pit stop window, but Hamilton decided to go for it. Yeah, he did. And um, at the time, I remember the commentary was very much, oh, well, Pirelli said there's a two-stop option here, so maybe that's what they've chosen to do. But immediately when he gets back out behind, um, I think it was uh, Vettel or Verstappen. He was out. He was out. He, he was he was behind Verstappen. That's right. He immediately gets back out and they come on the radio and they're like, OK, Lewis, you got to look after these tires. You're going to the end of the race. So you're like, oh, well, there went that possibility of excitement. But it was a key move because it saved him easily 10, 12 seconds on the normal pit stop time. And so when the rest of the front runners pitted, he would have gained an automatic 10 seconds on them. Yeah, but why don't they explain this better to Lewis? Because, Jeansy, I mean, they've clearly come up with this tactic. They've gone, okay, we can get him out. Uh, we can spare, uh, save half the time on a pit stop. The first thing Hamilton comes out and says is, was I supposed to be up behind these guys? You, at no point in that procedure did they say, look, Lewis, we are bringing you in early. We're taking advantage. We're, we're going to gain eight seconds in the pit stop. It's going to put you out behind the Red Bulls, but don't panic. They've still got a pit. Like, or do they think that if they explain that fully, Hamilton's going to go, nah, not doing it? I think it's his way of asking a question of going, is that what you really expected to happen? I think it's just looking for clarification rather than trying to have a whinge because i think he's very aware that every single time he says anything on the radio everyone thinks he's having a moan a couple of things in the in the chat room at the moment christopher fonseca saying overheating protection may mode may have protected the engine but max had steam coming out of his ears nice ray thompson's also saying gasly in the lead for the pony award and then Tobias saying Lewis commented that the tyres wouldn't actually last all the race because they've been unpredictable for them all year. Um, but it's interesting, Matt. Why didn't Lewis Hamilton realise those tyres were going to make it all the way to the end? And what kind of secret uh, secret knowledge did Mercedes have? Because I think universally we all thought, that's a bit hairy. 
He's going to lose ground on people. He's going to get stuck behind the Red Bulls. Then everybody's going to come out on fresh boots and then they're going to waltz past him. That's certainly how it looked to me when I saw him pit. Uh, and I think that's what he thought too when he saw who he'd come out behind. I think his thought was, you know, you know, this is not going to work. These tires will never go a full race distance. But after the race, Wolf said that from the start of the race, they knew the Supers would do an entire a race without needing to be changed. So so there's that. But I think as far as his his comment and question is, I don't think he expected to be behind that many people because he was going in under the virtual safety car and he didn't imagine they would uh, gamble and put him out. But it's also important to note that because it was Raikkonen who brought on the virtual safety car, this destroyed any strategic flexibility that Ferrari had. The worry that set in for me was when he came out behind Max, challenged Max, and then after Max got back past, then dropped two to three seconds behind and seemingly had not very good pace, which was like, holy hell, has he worn out these tyres already and we're about to see some carnage. So I was like, but luckily he was just being clever. I've got the feeling that that's not quite how it went down. Here's how I think it went down. Hamilton came out. Hey, guys, are you are you sure we're meant to be behind these guys? Trust me, Lewis, I know we didn't bother explaining this scenario to you or explain it while we were doing it. Uh, so it has come as a massive shock. But please trust us. Stay behind these guys. They're going to pit. Lewis Hamilton goes, nah, I'm not having that. I've got fresh boots. I'm going to overtake Verstappen. Oh, I can't overtake Verstappen because he's insane and crazy good at defending. Uh, so I'm just going to back off now all the way back. But it did make you worry that he'd, like you said, used up those tyres, Jeansy. How do you like my analysis? I think the analysis was good. I mean, I was really impressed with Max. Max was very, very clever. Max let Lewis get him up to the first chicane. So he, because he knew that if you get them at the second DRS zone, it's then harder to get them back. So it was a very, very clever defensive, defensive move from Max to actually let Lewis take the position because he didn't fight him on the first, on, on, on the first move. Very clever from Max. I was impressed. Yeah. In fact, Max was was pretty impressive all around. If we just sort of skip back a bit to his overtakes with Ocon, how did you see those? Because there was definitely something personal into, I think, is it turn four before the first of the big straights? There was two occasions. One, he lunged down into that first hairpin and, and there was no contact, but he couldn't make it stick. But on the second occasion, I mean, man, he came in really narrow and then just booted it all the way out to the exit. Now, I'm not saying he deliberately made contact, but I'm saying that he went into that knowing he wouldn't mind if he ended nudging, ended up nudging Ocon offline. First of all, I thought they were going to crash at every single possible opportunity. It was Amazing. brilliant. And to be fair, it. they both drove superbly. And um, I've seen Max's move before into the hairpin, and it's usually in sim racing, and it's usually with somebody screaming in your ear, lunge! <laughs> um, that's exactly what it was. There was nothing wrong with it it was really 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 hard but fair the other driver complied which is what you expect and what and what max has built max has built compliance from other drivers except when he's leading the race from a bat marker but um that was completely calculated he knew he it's the old senna adage which is I'm going to let you make the decision whether we're going to crash or not. And I guess Alcorn didn't want to crash twice in two races with Max. Let's chat to our new person, Sarah. Max Verstappen often does get the driver of the day because of his fan base. Today, with his wheel-to-wheel racing, like a real strong contender. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's not my favourite person. He's not my favourite driver on the grid, but you can't deny that he's always got a flair. And as the chat room's been, you guys have been saying, chat room's been saying, he's got that reputation that other people are just going to leap out of his way. And you can't help but love that a little bit even if you kind of want to hate him at the same time. I mean, I love setting up my villains whenever I watch a season of racing. He's definitely tends to be one of my villains, but I also love him a bit for that as well. So I tell yeah. you, he'll end up being one of the biggest villains of 2019. And we'll definitely talk about it in the off season. George Russell with the, the support that Robert Kvitsa is going to get. George Russell is going to get vilified if he so much as touches, dares to be, or out-qualifies Robert Kvitsa. Uh, but Matt, uh, bring us, brings us to this race, because Verstappen's move on Ocon and making that all stick was pretty vital in putting him into uh, the position that he was in. So we'd had Lewis Hamilton essentially leading the pack after the first set of pit stops was complete except for the fact that Daniel Ricciardo had decided to stay out long. So actually, we had a pretty fascinating scenario where we had leader with the oldest tyres a fair bit ahead with that chasing pack. It was Bottas, uh, then Vettel, and then the two Red Bulls. Yeah, so the the fact that Verstappen was on those uh, on those hypersofts and had very limited uh, lifespan in them also uh, set uh, Ricciardo's strategy in motion. And what happened once Hamilton was in is you had Vettel setting off the next round of pit stops. Uh, but what was uh, also crucial was that both uh, uh, it was Grosjean and one other midfielder in front of Verstappen both pitted out of his way. So he did not have to overtake them. Uh, Might have been Perez, but I'm, I could be wrong about that. So that we, when we came to it, we had basically Hamilton gradually catching Ricciardo. And then at about 15 to 20 seconds, we had Vettel and and the rest of those who had already pitted. And Ricciardo was forced to go very, very, very long. And this essentially gave Verstappen uh, the undercut without any fight back from him. And so what they did instead was they ran him very long and brought him in late and gave him fresh tires, which were enough to be, oh man, close to three seconds faster a lap. Um, And this would have been, what, in the mid-30s he came in. Uh, but it was meaningless once he caught up to the back of his teammate, because even with that tire advantage, there was still not enough in it on that track for him to be able to get round, which is perhaps something we'll discuss later on. Jeansy boy. And not enough in it in the track or not enough in it in Red Bull settings for the car to let him get anywhere near Max Verstappen in his last race to then go and drive for their now not using engine manufacturer. I don't believe for a second that that's the case. I imagine that Daniel Ricciardo's side of the garage was desperately trying to deliver a win today. I was wondering, Jeansy, where you think that tactic might have worked. Because although we saw a lot of passing today, it is a track where you can get held up behind people, especially if you have a power unit disadvantage, uh, as Red Bull and Renault do. Uh, But there are tracks where that tactic might have worked today, say Silverstone, for example. That tactic could have worked in two situations. Another safety car which they were banking on and is usually useful around there. And the fact that there was the really big threat of rain. Um, I think one of the helicopters reported lightning not far from the circuit. Um, and if he'd have had to have pitted straight away for wet tyres, then that would have been a massive, massive win for them. Nickel, lay some wisdom down upon us. 
just kind of want to like chime in on that when it does rain in Abu Dhabi how much difference does it actually make like one of the uh, comments I was seeing in various other locations was yeah it rains but you barely notice it when it drops so even when it does rain surely it depends on how hard it rains if it rains if it sprinkles it probably evaporates before it hits the track but if all of a sudden there was a Brazilian style downpour nothing can stop that it would make it interesting that's for sure because wasn't there actually reports of sprinkles of rain on visors going down the back straight well i think it's definitely enough to make gasly go on to full wets matt uh, easily and there was lightning too just to make it even more entertaining but sadly none of it got uh, got into the picture uh, for the race so it, it remained simply an off-screen drama for us so I suppose from where the race was won and lost, as soon as Ricardo uh, came out, he got stuck at the back of the, the top three teams chain, if you like. Uh, but it was interesting, wasn't it? The I guess we go on to the, the dismembering of Valtteri Bottas's race. Do you want to treat that as a, t- a separate topic uh, now or go on to whose fault is this? Uh, well, I think we can go on to whose fault is this. As, as, as his race coming apart was the last link in the chain for how everybody finished. And the only thing to mention about that, I suppose, is that when Verstappen passed him, there was, uh, again, contact, unlike when he passed Hamilton. All right. In that case, let's go on to my favorite bit of the show. Whose fault is it? Anyone new to this podcast, where have you been all season? It's been a fantastic season for Mr. Apex Podcast. Many, many milestones, but your punishment is to stay subscribed to us over the winter and you'll get all our winter content. A lot of other podcasts just disappear over the winter and expect that you're going to be there for them when the when the spring comes around. Don't let them use you like that. Stay subscribed to Mr. Apex Podcast and be with us for testing and the Australian Grand Prix. Right then. Whose fault is this? This is based on the fact that my wife likes to assign blame in any situation first before anything else. It doesn't matter if there's fire in the house and we need to get out of the house to not die. She needs to know whose fault it was. Once it's established that it's my fault, we can carry on. So then, who wants to lay down what happened in this uh, Roman Grosjean versus Nico Hulkenberg situation? Gene Z. <laughs> Look, Rogro again reckless driving spears hulkenberg up into the air it's it, get out of our spork row grow that's what we say right right hulk smash um yeah that's what happened no so typical first lap melee everyone's all over the shop um hulk goes deep into the chicane roman grosjean within his rights holds around the outside um and i think Hulk didn't expect Grosjean to stay on the track um, and Grosjean hung around the outside, which he is perfectly acceptably allowed to do. But once he hung around the outside, his front wheel was inside um, Nico's uh, rear rear wheel. So Nico had to sweep out to sweep in. That's what he should have done. Couldn't see him, turned right, hits Grosjean. So therefore, he turned in on Grosjean. It is Hulkenberg's fault. To counter that incorrect analysis, did Grosjean leave the track? No. Right. He didn't quite leave the track, did he? He, he, had, he, had, he had wheels off the track, but as long as you've still got two wheels on the track, you're fine. Actually, had... As long as you still have part of a tyre inside the white line, you are still fine. I, when it went back to the replay, I, ha- I went to look at that. 
because my first yeah. thought was did Grosjean come back on the track and he didn't and Hulk said it was his own fault um, Grosjean was alleviated of any um, fines to do with that which everyone got penalties today so that shows that they definitely were on the ball with penalties today so anyone who says that it's anything other than Hulk's fault is really really wrong you can't just say that. You can't just, you can't frame it like that. Okay. Well, I can I say can, the opposite. I know your opinion. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that it was Grosjean's fault. Hang on. Well, I've forgotten which side of the argument I'm on. I think it's Grosjean's fault because Matt, he was just about all the way off. Hulkenberg could reasonably have expected that that move was completely done, that Grosjean was off the track and that he was going to have to abort. It was really, really dogged of Grosjean to hang on in there and stick his left boot in. What do you think, fella? Well, I think um, I, I think you might be overselling it, uh, calling it a move as he locked up rather badly <laughs> into turn seven, which is where this whole uh, Michigas started. And subsequently, it really was um, a failure of his imagination that that Grosjean could still have been there. He was very much, I think, in his blind spot, but he assumed that Grosjean had simply gone on to cut the chicane when the reality was he had not. And that's being the case, since he was the overtaker, the onus was on him to get the job done without uh, contact. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, so, Jeansy, your your opinion is that Hulkenberg should have stuck to the, the lane system, especially on lap one, when lots of crazy things are happening. You've got to realise that if Grosjean had gone off at that corner, he'd have lost so much time because he'd have had to uh, dart off right, go around the barrier, and had to wait for people to get back on the circuit. So he would have lost a whole bunch of places. So you have to expect people to hang on around the outside, especially when there was room. And there was plenty of room because he gave it on the exit. So when you give room, sorry, when you give room on the entrance to the corner, you have to expect someone to still be there on the other side of the corner. So it's a it's a lapse of judgment from Hulk on my, on my part. But he still won the... Um, Formula 1.5, Formula B championship. So, well done, Nico. What did you think, Sarah, about him being suspended upside down and, his, in his own words, uh, hanging like a cow? Which isn't the first thing that would have come to my mind, hanging like a cow. I would have thought, uh, hanging like a bat. Oh, uh, no trumpets, no? Hanging like oh, a cow? I, I mean, I think we have to give some allowance for the fact that English is not his first language. I didn't quite get that comment myself, um, unless it's some sort of reference to, you know, sort of hanging a side of beef at the butchers or something like that. Now, Sarah, were you a Halo fan when it first came in? Which side of that divisive argument were you on? It makes the car look like a flip-flop, and I still can't get over that, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. It still looks like a flip-flop. Um, however, I did feel that it when they actually hit the barriers, I do think it provides some protection there when you've got kind of the cockpit going straight in are we going full halo discussion now or are we going to save this till later now do it fine okay so um the second he rolled over and was on his roof i was like hmm this is going to cause an interesting conversation so he didn't look like he was instantly trying to get out then the car caught on fire which we haven't seen a car on fire for a really really long time and it did worry me i was stood up right by the telly going someone get a fire extinguisher on him but luckily they were on him with a fire extinguisher very very quickly um i'm pretty certain if that car went a burst and the team said to him get out of the car 
um, he'd have been out of that car quicker than anything else. There was a big gap underneath him, and I think he'd have been absolutely fine. Um, and still, going on the roof is much less frequent than having things flying at your face. So I still think the halo is fine. And I think if he really, really needed to, he'd have got out of that car without a problem. Because um, we haven't actually seen anyone go on the roof this season. But um, I don't think it would have been a problem. I think it's fine. But boy, is there going to be discussions about the halo on <laughs> social media between now and the next, well, 143 days until the new season, whatever it is. Probably won't come up. But Trumpets, weren't you thinking as well, when it flipped over, you think, oh, here we go. I mean, thank goodness it's not on fire. Otherwise, the anti-Halo crew will be having a field day with this. Oh, no, no, there it is. It's on fire. And he's not getting out. Oh, oh, here we go. Uh, Let's shut down Twitter, everyone. This is a code red. Shut down Twitter. Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing because by design, I mean, and we had Charlie Whiting after the incident say flat out, no, didn't slow down the extraction of Hulkenberg at all. What? Because in those situations, the goal is to write the car and get the driver out once it, once you're assured that it's safe medically to do so. Uh, the marshals were already there with the fire extinguishers. And this, by definition, is how it's supposed to work with the halo. Now, there are those who would like to make the argument that had it been time of the essence, he might not have been able to get out. But frankly, he himself was very unclear about whether the halo made any difference at all, because after all, one of the benefits of the halo is it's supposed to provide a window through which the driver can get in situations like that. So, you know, long and short of it is uh, it is a design compromise. It does take longer for the driver to get out of the car. It is more cumbersome for them to get out of the car. However, it does provide a fair amount of protection. And we've already seen the halo take several hits this year. And this is the first time we've seen it in anything where it might be considered to be stopping what used to happen when drivers were in this position. So as far as I'm concerned, it's working as design. And it's important to remember that all design is compromise. And in this case, the odds have been run and they've decided this is the way to go. And I see no evidence to contradict it. All right, Jeansy, this time, are you putting your hand up or are you just trying to ruin my show again by trying to hit your mic? I'll ignore that comment. I also think the other re- the other thing is is if it does someone does go upside down and a car does go fire like it did today, um, there is enough safety crew around the grid these days, around the tracks these days, that they are on that car in seconds, getting fire extinguishers out because no, no car is going to spontaneously combust like you could see in the old days. Things will start to trickle out. So I don't think it's that much of a problem. Also, Hulk said he didn't even try and get out. He didn't even undo his belts. So he wasn't even trying to get out because he was fine and he was told to stay still. And in those kind of incidents, you don't know how people's backs are and they would rather you stay in the car if you don't need to get out. Mega. I think, I think we've, uh, we've done the halo to death there, Matt, haven't we? I think so. I think that's that covered. Let's, uh, let's go back to then our friend Bottas because that links nicely into my favourite topic, which is track limits. So Bottas ended up going sort of backwards down the field. Jeansy, do you put that down to some sort of issue that I hadn't heard about because I haven't watched the post-show, or do you put it down to Bottas not doing very well? The latter. He's just... He finished fifth in the championship this year. His teammate scored over 400 points and was 166 points ahead of him 
He had a couple of failures at the beginning of the season, but I'm sorry. That is just a poor performance. Lewis had no tyre issues, no lockups, no problems today. And Bottas just had no pace and got swallowed up by everybody that could swallow him up. And um, the only person that didn't get in was Kimi Raikkonen because he tried to find his way out of going to the gala, but he's still got to go. What's our, what are our friends in the chat room up to, Sarah? And by the way, people can join the chat room. Sorry, Sarah. By going to mistapexpodcast.com and searching for the live stream tab. Or they can just go to YouTube and they can search Missed Apex Podcast. It's really cool. You see the video there and the live chat comes in. Do be warned, if you're horrible, we probably will just ban you immediately. Uh, what are the nice people in the chat room saying? The nice people in the chat room are saying that halos on cows should be forbidden since they might get tangled with the milking equipment. Uh, excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, so um, apparently uh, a right rear brake issue trumpets hampering him. Yeah, it was speculated on at the time, but then the team didn't see any issues during the race. But it was almost as if he suddenly and miraculously lost the ability to drive through turn five because he had multiple lockups there. And that's what let the... Um, let Verstappen and Vettel first buy him. Although I will note that Verstappen did manage to contact him when he went by, despite his issues. Um, and then they brought him in for a pit stop and put him on some new tires. And then he got to drive all alone by himself in, in the middle of about a 30 second gap between the back of the sharp end and the front of the midfield. And uh, yeah, so if it was a break issue, it was a break issue. But I will say that he did not look comfortable or happy post-race when they interviewed him he did not look like someone who had found out that there was a problem with the car and he did not have to worry about how he had done in this race and that oh. may or may not be down to the fact that we've just discovered Ocon is now officially a reserve driver for mercedes and uh yeah i gotta say if i had Ocon in my rearview mirror i might be sweating a little bit too especially because not only did Toto Wolf in the press conference let out that let out early that Ocon was going to be their reserve driver for next year. He also said in preparation to get him back in for 2020. If I was Bottas, that would have really, really upset me because going where Toto in 2020, to be fair, I think if Bottas has another poor start to the season next year, I can see um, a switcheroo maybe happening. That was, that was really, oh, go on. Sorry, Matt, look at us both doing after you, after me. That was like one of those pavement dances. Um, I was just going to say in that press conference, yeah, it was really unfortunate that he didn't clarify. I'm sure what he meant was after skipping a year, being our reserve driver and sim driver and all the rest of it will put him in a great position for a race seat. However, it very strongly came across as we'll get him ready to jump into Bottas's race seat. Uh, so, I mean, that's how I took it at first and I went, hang on a minute. He can't, he can't just be confirming that Bottas, Bottas is on his way out in 2020 and he must have meant any race seat. Trumpets, I beg your pardon. I was just going to make the small but important observation that Jeansy's made-up word pressuration actually applies quite nicely to the situation Bottas finds himself in. It's a good word. Well done. Let's stick it in the dictionary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Uh, let's talk about Bottas, though, because he didn't get a penalty for just carrying on in front of Verstappen. Uh, but Alonso did and Ocon did. So quite quite an interesting uh, set of scenarios to make us highlight once again the kind of ludicrous situation where you can run off completely uh, unpenalised. But where are you standing on this now, Matt? We've had many, many arguments uh, over this over the years. But when you see, uh, is it Sophia Fleisch? Fleisch, is that the... Is that the flourish. Flourish, um going off and having no runoff whatsoever and essentially going into a building that makes you kind of come back and go, yeah, I do like a lot of runoff. But when we're in this situation where people can at will just carry on and come back on the track with no penalty whatsoever, that is when people start complaining, isn't it, about Formula One. And it doesn't seem so hard that we could have some kind of compromise between being penalized and being safe. Yeah, well, we've seen people like Lucas Degrassi get involved. Um, and we ourselves have had this discussion numerous times. And no doubt it will continue far, far into the future. Because as with every design, there's compromise involved. And the compromise between safety, usability, and just uh, sheer excitement and requiring the drivers to actually drive within the track in order to make their overtakes is always going to be a bit of a moving target. And here, I think it's safe to say, yeah, we could have done with less runoff or a different design that punished the drivers. But in the particular case of Botas, my understanding is that unlike the other drivers, and I think Alonso is a separate case that we need to discuss in a moment because it makes me laugh. But unlike the other drivers, he did back off after he missed that turn and therefore was spared the ignominy of a five-second time penalty. Yeah, so there's two things. One is the broader subject of what we can do going forward. So that's definitely a great off-season topic. Personally, I'm a big fan of some kind of electronic penalty. So you you, you sweep off the track, uh, your revs get limited until the second you manage to get back on the track, and then you're back in business. And you can tell me why I'm wrong about that uh, in one of our winter topics, and that'll give people a great incentive to hang around and listen to us argue about it. But Gene Z, we are where we are. And we are in a situation where when people roll off the track, they can get back on and then they either have to have the 
presence of mind to give that place back or they wait for a five second penalty or they get told to swap it back first of all how did you see um the Ocon move because he'd got the move done then he went wide then he came back on track is that a situation where you feel he should then pull over and give the place back if you gain an advantage by going off the circuit you give the place back you drop you drop off um unfortunately we don't see the the analysis that the stewards can do so we don't have all the data so if he's gone through that corner and gained half a second but then come off the throttle and lost seven tenths they won't give him a penalty the difference is if he hadn't gone off the circuit would he have lost the place or not is the thing to go with um but to be fair i actually think they came up with the best solution this weekend turn 20 that humped curb perfect worked brilliantly you could get on it and make it work for you just or if you went too far it screws up your lap i thought that was a brilliant solution if you twin that with the thing that you always say spanners which is a small patch of low adhesive yeah um lower a piece of astroturf or a piece of grass just outside the surface of the track then more runoff we will not see advantages from leaving the track yeah okay but the ocon one was less clear cut than the Bottas one, and the Bottas one didn't get penalised. But for me, the Bottas one was they are in a battle, and he locked his brakes. So ordinarily, if you lock your brakes, you don't get a good entry to the corner. That's going to give Verstappen a massive advantage to at least close up and overtake in the next DRS zone. But by Bottas continuing, he's robbed Verstappen of his chance to get past. So surely that's a more clear cut gaining an advantage than it was for Ocon, who had made the move stick and then gone wide on the next corner. That's what I said, where it comes to a case of whether you've just gained time or whether you would have held the place, held the place or not. Um, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm struggling to remember that exact incident, but if Ocon would have lost the place by trying to stay on the track, or at least lost, an advan- lost, lost ground to Max, which would have given Max the opportunity to overtake, then yes, he should be giving the place back. Well, I, I think it just always in those instances will come down to whether or not the uh, stewards view you as having gained an advantage. For example, going back to one of your favorites in Canada, um, there was that time that Rosberg went off track, pinned it, and 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 took how many seconds? No, he did it out twice. Of, I think, he Hamilton did it was twice. behind him. Yeah, like, like he took he took extra time out of him. So if you do that, then you will be penalized. And in fact. And hysterically, this is exactly what happened to Alonzo, who being alerted to McLaren to to the possibility of an entire single solitary point by his race engineer at McLaren said, well, I already have 1800. And at which point his race engineer said, well, yeah, why don't you do it for us there, Fernando? It's like, okay, so immediately he makes up a full second in the middle sector alone. And you're thinking, oh, man, this is on Magnuson could lose 10th place. And then you hear that he actually just drove straight through the chicane and didn't bother to slow down at all, like missed it entirely and just kept the throttle in. And it turns out after the race, I I was on Twitter and Luke Smith tweeted that he did this three laps in a row and got three five second penalties. And as a result, not that he would have passed Magnuson anyway, as a result, he finished his career with eighteen hundred and ninety nine points. Still quite a lot. Still pretty good. Yeah, But it's not eighteen hundred. Yeah. Sad way to see him go out, really, wasn't it? Scrapping at the back with the uh, with the Williamses. It's not. It's not the way, is it, for Alonso to to go out? I don't agree. You don't agree? Tell me. Uh, I'm bored of Alonso. 
he screwed he spent enough time screwing up his own career and then moaning about it when he get when he ends himself down the bottom um i won't miss him for one next year do you know what though we get quite a lot of interaction on YouTube and Twitter and stuff. And when we criticize Robert Kubica or play down his chances of getting into F1, uh, I mean, one YouTube video got 270 thumbs downs and about 80 comments telling me what a moron I was. Joe said it, not me. Uh, the same thing happens when we talk about Verstappen. If we slate Alonso, no negative feedback whatsoever. So perhaps the the general F1 fandom population agrees with you, Alex. Can we do an entire show slagging Alonso off then? Yeah. I've got, lo- I got I loads for that. I don't see why not. I'm a slave <laughs> to the ratings. So it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to affect us. Uh, no, but there, there's no denying that he's been one of the greatest characters, uh, in this sport. And it was, it was a, it was, a, it was a, a huge example of how picking your seats in Formula One is just as important as steering it left to right a bit and braking and accelerating and all, all the rest of that. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Formula 1.5, Matt. Because there was some amazing battles today in that midfield. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we need to start with the fact of, of, of well, the start of Leclerc. And boy, did he get a great start. And at one point, he was running fourth on the road. And Ricciardo was not getting past him. I mean, yeah. so there you go. And and uh, am I the only one who's thinking, oh, man, this Ferrari thing next year is going to be just fun? Yeah. It's going to be amazing watching Vettel up against uh, Leclerc. I mean, nearly as fun as seeing Gasly and Verstappen, but we'll come to that in a little while. Uh, please do carry on. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think the big news and the happy news uh, for Renault is that, that Sainz managed to finish six today with the retirement of Raikkonen. And so that's pretty decisive for them in terms of the Formula One and a half or the Formula B championship. And it was a great result for him uh, at his last race because now he's going to be taking, I guess, Alonso's seat in the McLaren. So we've all seen how that's going to work out. Uh, but it was also a really good day for Haas, uh, despite the fact that Magnussen was driven wide uh, in the opening of the race and, and was, uh, I think he was like in 14th or 15th place. They managed to give him a strategy that got both he and Grosjean into the points. And so it was a double points finish for them. And that was that was uh that was a very, very big deal as well. But I think it was I could be wrong. I have to go look at my race notes. Uh Leclerc actually made some places, made two somebody made two places in the Formula B championship. And if you give me a minute, I can go look it up. Or maybe if we're lucky, the chat room will come up with it on their own because in the end of days, I am kind of lazy. Okay. What I'll do is I'll set you homework. You answer that question and also tell me what the cumulative points of Force India and Racing Point are compared to Renault today. Uh, but let's talk to Sarah about some of the midfield battles because uh, last race for one of your favourites, Stoffel van Dorn, and sadly, he sort of kind of showed us how good he is today. Yeah, I mean, there were a few comments about that was the sort of thing that uh, was seen from him in Formula 2, uh, or GP2, I guess, when he was still racing it, I think it was then. Um and it's kind of a shame that he's, we only get to see it on TV now because I think uh, he's done a few overtakes over this season and they've just not been seen at all. Yeah. So you'll see him move up a couple of paces a few times. So it, I, 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 at least for his sake, I'm glad, it, I'm glad it got to be on TV for once. I'm glad I got to see it. Uh, Trumpets, uh, for me, v- uh, Van Dorn did do well today. But what we've seen in recent races is the cameras have been so focused on the battles up front that the midfield has been largely ignored for the last four or five races? Uh, yeah, it has been. And um, 
hype train Honda. There was a point there. Um, uh, it wasn't Leclerc actually. It was Signs. Two places, displacing Alonso from tenth in the World Drivers Championship because I took advantage of my free time and did something useful for once. Right. Um, and I believe Leclerc overtook Grosjean for thirteenth, and that's that's that. Uh, there was no movement in the team side of it. Um, I don't know the Honda thing. They look like they have the power, but I think you're right. The reliability is suspect, but his was hardly the only car to give way. In fact, his was the third of three. Three uh, engines. Yeah, but what, engines. what I understand is that that is not the new Honda engine. So for the last two races, I've been expecting this D-spec Honda engine to come in and signal basically Red Bull's title contention for next season. So when I saw Gasly pull over i thought oh well that's the end of the the red bull honda hype train because <laughs> you know maybe they're going to suffer the same problems but as i understand it that is not the new power unit and we're not going to see that until the postseason tests ah well that that's news to me because i i was under the same impression as you is that they had decided to run the d-spec in the race but i guess they felt it wasn't entirely ready for that and they want to get it on track and test it properly before they put it into a race situation. But because I know that Sarah is a big fan of Van Dorn, and I, I think I heard Gigi talk about this earlier, I did want to give him a special shout out for that three wide maneuver. And I think it was at turn nine, might have been the best thing, including the Ocon Verstappen battle that I saw all day. That went on for about four four corners. That was superb, especially when you consider who was in that who was in that battle. It was Van Dorn who doesn't crash. So that's the only positive I have on Van Dorn this season. He doesn't seem to crash. And then you had Ocon, and then you had Grosjean. How those three didn't have the biggest crash we've ever seen in Formula One, I do not know. I watched it through the fingers of my hands. That was <laughs> terrifying. But it was absolutely superb. And how Van Dorn came out ahead of those two, I have no idea. I would like you to remind those of us who haven't got the razor-sharp memory you have, Jeansy, of that three-way battle you just described. And just talk us through it a little bit. So they were they were fighting through um, into the first hairpin and they all came up down the front, down the first long straight side by side, um, got through the first chicane with, I think, Ocon in front. And then everyone slipstreamed each other again, three wide into the second chicane. And I still say somehow, I don't know how they all stayed on. I think um, Van Dorn ran Grosjean out of room as they both slipstream past um, Ocon and managed to hold the place. Fabulous from Van Dorn. Unfortunately, it's come about 21 races too late. See, Jeansy, everybody slates this track. Tilkadrome, soulless, no character. Considering this track never has any rain and there's a lot of dead rubbers, it is a track that provides battle points and carnage points. It's got those two big straights. Both have got big braking zones at the end and both do produce overtaking opportunities and racing incidents. Why does this track get slated so much? I know Section 3 is basically a street circuit, which we need to just ban in general. Why? Am I alone in quite liking this circuit? When I've driven it in sims and games, I quite like it. It's quite fun to drive. Uh, I think the problem in the past has been there's been... uh, quite big disparities between the engines 
And I think now that we're seeing the engines much closer together, because we're seeing a lot more downforce on the cars and a bit more drag, it allows it. The brakes are better as well, and they can dive down the inside, which gives them to have a lunge, a la Max Verstappen. Um, but I couldn't tell you why sometimes it just doesn't ignite. This track is the reason we have DRS, remember? Because of um, uh, a particular Russian petrol. Yeah, well, I mean, you're complaining about being like a street track, which should be banned. But having watched Macau, uh, accidents aside, that's exciting to watch because there's literally no room for error. But here at Abu Dhabi, there's acres and acres of runoff. So you have all of the disadvantages of a street track with none of the visual excitement. And I think that might be the point you're trying to make. It could be. So this is a classic case of don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because there is a fault there's the cold water being the runoff area that doesn't mean we get rid of the track and what's good about the track that means we fix the runoff area surely good yeah i i I think i think that's absolutely part of it and there may be some basic track design um with the um updated aero regulations we're going to have next year it might be possible to alter the track to give more exciting races and better chances at overtakes but it just what we saw at the end of the race at the front of the field was exactly what everyone had happily been missing the last couple of races, which is it just settled like once, 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 once we got past Botas and his brake problem or not, we were done. The last 15 laps was just pretty much a procession at the front. And thankfully there was some stuff going on behind, but yeah. The one thing I think they, they could do to this circuit to improve things is that chicane before the hairpin in the first sector. What they need to do is get rid of that chicane and bring that hairpin back about two, three hundred feet. Then you're going to get dive bombs into that into that corner, which will cause more overtaking. You get errors into that hairpin, which will then cause more overtaking. That chicane causes big problems. For the, that first chicane causes big problems for the whole track. Whole track. Let's go on to the podium, though. I'm yet to watch the podium because I finished watching the race seven minutes before we started the live stream. Sarah, why was there nudity on the podium that I'm hearing about? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it was something to do with Lewis Hamilton's um, Still I Rise tattoo at the back. Um, so yeah, he takes his t-shirt off on the podium and turns around and points at his back. But the whole reason he did it, he was showing still I rise. He actually talked about it in an interview afterwards. It was to show that he has risen above it this season. He had a bad start to the season and then rose above it. He's going to rise above it next season. And to have a whole team, he talked about the whole team ethos. So the team's had its issues this year and they've rised above it. They've got to bring a bigger challenge next year because Red Bull will be better next year and everything. So it's all about the still I rise. However, it didn't come across as that. And he's got a heck of a lot of stick for it. What a surprise. Lewis, get stick over something. Mm, never. Well, okay. To be fair, I'm pretty sure... Lewis Hamilton could resurrect babies and he'd still get a lot of stick for it. But 
in the defense of people who are giving him a bit of stick, did you see that Mercedes rousing team speech he gave on the factory floor where everybody around him was looking kind of vaguely awkward and he was doing this whole, you know, together, we can do this, we can... And he it, all, honestly, all it needed in the background was like, dun, 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 as he was like rousing up to this big finish. And I was like, for Lewis Hamilton, it's as important to come across as uh, stoic spiritual, dramatic, uh, wise, as it is to be fast on the racetrack. I'm going to make my standard Lewis-Schumacher comparison here. Everyone talks about Schumacher building the team around him. If What's, what's that if Lewis, isn't, if Lewis isn't doing it? I very much feel that Lewis has built this team around him. To do, you know, he hasn't gone in and built engine bits, but no driver has. No. Um, you know, except for back in the 60s and 70s, you know, when they sort of said that um, Nicky Lauda told them to take parts off. And that was in a movie. From the rush. That, that was from the Rush movie. Happen. So God knows if, it, if it's true or not. But um, So how, but how about in the same way that we say that the Williams engineers are demoralised by having perhaps a driver in there who's not so fast and it doesn't matter what they do with the car, the Mercedes drivers know whatever they do, it's going to pay dividends because Lewis can do something with it. If you've got a driver like Lewis Hamilton in your team and the car doesn't perform, you know it's not the driver. So they have to perform (laughs) to the top of their ability because if it doesn't work properly, Lewis will show you that it's not working properly. Yeah, Uh, and the chat room's going nuts. I think we'll just, uh, we'll let that simmer for just a second. Uh, But he loves the drama, the leaning down, the kissing the car, the the making sure that everything is camera ready, the the dabbing, the getting out and, you know, he's aware of where the camera is as well. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that it is reasonably cheesy on some level, but he loves the drama of it. So I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's a thing. Uh, let's talk about thing of the weekend. Matt Trumpets, what was your thing of the weekend? Well... I think my thing of the weekend, uh, man, this is so hard because there were many things and it was a weekend, but I think my thing of the weekend really does have to be that Van Dorn pass three wide. It was just an exquisite piece of driving. Good. Perfectly valid. I'm sure Sarah would be very pleased with that. Sarah, what was your thing of the weekend? You can't have that. Ah, that's just not fair. Um, I think I'm going to go for the clerk just showing his class in the Sauber. Um, and it was what was he was P P seven in the end, and uh, like you know, I just can't wait to see him in the Ferrari next year. Um, whooping Vettel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Jeansy, who's your thing of the weekend? Mine was the incredible debut of Will Smith winning his first ever Grand Prix after tying Lewis Hamilton up. Um, and then going out and winning the Grand Prix. So, especially considering he's six foot five and Lewis is about four foot one, I'm pretty certain he'd have fitted in that Grand Prix car. That was brilliant. I laughed my backside off and shared it on on <laughs> my streams because um, there was loads more to it. He locked him in there. He then went to the track, and then they he, he um, Will Smith went to the car with Lewis's <laughs> lid on, um, and then they arrested him and took him away from it. And then Will Smith spent the entire race doing different things around the track, yeah, like camera, playing yeah. with a camera, and um, and he waved the flag at the end. That's a hell of a lot better than a pre-recorded message at the Mexican Grand Prix. Well made up for. That's how we do it. That's how I told you to do celebrity appearances. 
That would have been better. Yeah, I was dying to do a tweet, well, I was too busy, uh, of Lewis Hamilton, you know, with an arm round Will Smith going, Lewis Hamilton with, you know, elderly F1 fan. Uh, but I never got round to it. Uh, Gene Z. But also the whole Will Smith thing. I mean, Lewis is a year younger than me. I grew up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, listening to Will Smith's albums, watching Will Smith's movies, and I'm a huge Will Smith fan. So first of all, for me, seeing my favourite sportsman with one of my favourite actors and all-around famous people of all time was awesome. But how cool must that have been for Lewis? It's one of his childhood heroes that's that's loving him. It's it's such an amazing turnaround of things. That's how Trumpets felt with Justin Bieber as well, because I know how much of a Bieber fan he is. A, a Belieber? Is that... Is that, is that what you call yourselves? He's not responding. Uh, he may be genuinely mad. Let's move on to our next award, which is the Missed Apex Award. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Trumpets, brush over the insult I just delivered to you and tell us your Missed Apex Award for this weekend. Wow. Yeah, there's literally no one else they can give it to but Alonzo, who deliberately missed the Apex three times in a row and collected three five-second penalties as a result. I mean, what more can you say? Uh, nothing, I guess, apart from move on to Sarah. Who missed the apex for you? And I, I got distracted by the chat room. Who, who, who did Matt just say? Sorry, Alonso. It was Alonso. So I was going for Bottas. Yeah, because he literally did. It's it's weird how how far he goes backwards in the race. Sometimes, did you catch that thing where he was asked about Lewis Hamilton? He said the difference is Lewis Hamilton can do it consistently. And I was like, well, that's a great compliment to Lewis Hamilton. But are you kind of just outwardly admitting that you are inconsistent and that's why you often disappear in races? doesn't seem to have a... So we know Lewis has had the kind of emotional peaks and troughs in most of his, in like, at least in terms of the seasons I've been watching him. But Bottas just seems to bottom out. Um, my missed apex, I've got to give two... Well... These two have nicked both of mine. I'm going to have to give it to Hulk because he literally flew over the apex of two corners and ended up on his head. So has to go to Mr. Formula 1.5 world champion Hulkenberg. Now, Sarah, you said you were being distracted by the chat room. Did they have any awards uh, coming up, either the good or the bad? Uh, they didn't have any sort of... Uh, so Chris Fonseca says Alonso missed the Apex three times and therefore wins the missed Apex triple crown. Oh, nice. He's done it. There you go, Zach. You can relax now. <laughs> he's he's won <laughs> he's won the arbitrary triple crown already. Any, any more? Yes. Uh, otherwise, they were mainly picking up on the points we were making. Sorry, sorry chat room. I'm, I'm dividing my attention between you guys and the chat rooms get apparently not as a uh, chat room. Will... It's much more difficult than it looks. I hats off to, to, to trumpets. There's a reason that. I have never done it. Yeah. Well, it is going by increasingly quickly uh, as, as obviously the audience increases, which is fantastic. Thank you very much. Live chat for joining us. As far as I'm concerned, you make this live experience because otherwise we are essentially just sitting in a shed on a Skype call and I often am very paranoid that there is no podcast and that I am just sat in the shed without any equipment they've or anything. Actually, they've been on fire, though. That's That's been part of it. I mean, that was sort of staying on the missed apex thing. And no, I cannot multitask chat room. That's that's not my thing. Um, that myth but, plan. you know, do you want to do comment of the week now? Or Well, why don't we first do this one? Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Quite a few ponies, trumpets. 
Oh, so, so many ponies. And, and and I will say, I did have a whole separate section of like awesome radio messages, uh, including Alonzo. But I think the winner of the pony has to be Pierre Gasly for his extreme concern that his car was on fire when he pulled it over. He sounded like a, a, he sounded like an anxiety-ridden, anxious Romain Grosjean, which was like, I mean, wow, you got to work hard to pull that off. To be fair, the prospect of being on fire is bad. I will forgive. Jeansy. First of all, car wasn't on fire. Second of all, he could have got out really quickly. Third of all, who cares if it's on fire? You're never going to drive that car again, and that car's <laughs> going into a skip anyway. So what difference does it make? Um, no, my pony is Fernando because he moaned. He, he said, oh, I'm not going to go chasing off one more point. I've got enough points. Um, and then decided to drive off the track for the rest of the race. So Fernando gets my pony. Uh, and as a fast-approaching middle-aged man, my pony award goes to Lewis Hamilton for taking his shirt off because he's still young and beautiful enough to do that, and it makes me jealous, and just stop it, okay? Formula One fans are like 50 years old. We don't need to be made to feel bad by the likes of you. We're trying our best. If I, if I had a body like that, I wouldn't wear a T-shirt. <laughs> I would never this, this, wear a I'm, shirt. I'm losing weight and I'm getting fitter, once I all of a sudden have pecs and abs like that, I won't wear a t-shirt on the podcast anymore. Okay, I'm not going to hold my breath the entire time waiting for you to do that, although I do have no, faith in you. <laughs> and you are looking skinny and beautiful. Tell you what then, Sarah, you've been monitoring this very, very feisty chat room today. Why don't you give us some nominees and a winner of... Comment of the Interesting fact about that jingle, that is actually me and Jeansy harmonising, and then we just sped the track up to make it sound like that. Uh, what have you got for us, Sarah? I think we've got quite a few good ones. So I really liked uh, Ray Thompson, Bottas, Bottas, and Still I Ride. Still I Oh, which... <laughs> that's not bad, actually. Good. Quite. In fact, I would say, Ray, that is a partial warning for being a bit too clever. I nearly didn't understand it. Oh, I can't give it to that one then. Okay, sorry, Ray. Um, and then going back, so in European, very early on, said um, Gasly spraying oil on Verstappen looks suspiciously like marking a territory. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that one might might win it. There were a couple of others. Um, I think European. That's going to be hard to beat. Why don't you I read think that? European. European one. Yeah. Read that one out again for us, Sarah. Uh, Gasly spraying oil on Verstappen looks suspiciously like marking a territory. Genius. Comment of the week. Jeansy, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitters at at Alex Van Jean. Um, I post stuff about racing. And now that I'm trying to help grow the um, popularity of cough cart sport, karting, rental karting in the UK, um, you will see all our postings about that coming up there very, very soon. Or you can follow us on Facebook at cough cart sport. We'll be racing around the country at 10 different locations from January next year. Matt's, from February next Matt, year. Matt's holding a notepad up. He wants to do the race in something, something, doesn't he? Before that, Sarah Nicholl, you're a, like a Dungeons and Dragons type nerd, aren't you? I was a very long time ago, but you can find me on Twitter at Decoding Dragons, <laughs> um, where I will generally be tweeting about weird business stuff, photography, Twitter as a thing, and then occasionally video games. But it, it tends to vary. Wow, that is a really, it's an almost niche mix, like the Venn diagram 
of of subjects and the niche that would find all of those interesting is pretty small. Well, it's a it's a pers- it's a personal Twitter rather than a oh, subject. All oh, right, I so. uh, see that's what you're missing. We're all on brand. So Jeansy always on brand with the carting. Me on brand with international icon pursuit. Uh, Matt Trumpets at MattPT55. Mixed brand between pictures of trumpets, especially on his Facebook page, and promoting his wife's rather lewd and very un-British books. Thank you very much. And Matt, since you've had your plug, there's nothing left to do except to tell us how the race panned out in only 60 seconds. Lights out. Good start, Hamilton. Great start, Leclerc. Problem for Verstappen. P10. Contact, Rojan. Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg upside down and on fire. Safety car. Hulkenberg, okay. Safety car in. Good restart, Hamilton. Hartley hits the wall. Verstappen on Ocon. Ocon on Verstappen. Verstappen on Ocon. Ocon on Verstappen. Verstappen on Ocon. Contact. Verstappen gets Ocon. Raikkonen retires. But not really. Virtual safety car. Hamilton pits. Hamilton P5. Virtual safety car over. Bottas leads, but not for long. Hamilton gets Verstappen. Verstappen gets Hamilton. Verstappen leaves Hamilton behind. Sides versus Ocon. Ocon pits. Vettel pits. Bottas pits. Verstappen pits. Ricciardo, P1. Van Doren, Grosjean, Ocon, three wide. No crash. Ricciardo pits. Ricciardo, P5. Bottas lock up. Vettel on Bottas. Vettel gets Bottas. Verstappen on Bottas. Verstappen gets Bottas. Bottas pits. Ericsson retires. Ocon retires. Gasly retires. Alonso could get a point. Alonzo cut chicane. Alonzo cut chicane. Alonzo cut chicane. Surprise. Three penalties for Alonzo. Checkers. Hamilton wins. Alonzo gets the three penalty triple donuts and topless Lewis. I'm a fan. I like it, trumpets. Guys, thank you very much for staying with us over this 2018 season. We've had a fantastic time and it's been great to make a lot of new friends. Obviously, the winter time is a time where a lot of you will shut down, but especially in the post-season, the immediate post-season. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff about how the season has gone and a lot of looking forward to next season. This has been one of the most spectacular driver shuffle seasons, hasn't it, Matt? And we've got so many great battles to speculate on that we don't actually have a problem thinking of content for the winter season because I think 2019 is going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And I just remember how well uh, things went last off season. So if you've not had the chance, if your schedule hasn't permitted, do come check out some of the content we have upcoming because it's really going to be worthwhile. And if you don't want to check in, do keep subscribed so that we can keep your subscription as part of our rolling army of subscribers. And then when the new season comes around, we'll be there ready on your phone. If you want to encourage us doing silly things like podcasting all through the long off season of Formula One, you can always support us by going to patreon.com forward slash missed apex. And as my wife reminded me, she is far more tolerant to me doing this stuff over the winter when people in a position to do so give us discounts or free stuff. So bear that in mind as well. All these things will keep us trucking through winter. We've been Missed Apex Podcast. Me, at Spanners Ready, the show, at Missed Apex F1, and Matt, at MattPT55 on Twitter. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. What a season. I mean, but it really has been 
a really good season. I'm not lying about that, am I? That has been, it's been an amazing season. I've loved this season. I've got to tell you, we've been on air for an hour and 20 minutes, whatever it is. We couldn't even have enough time to talk about the triple donuts at the end. No. I thought that was brilliant. It was like a guard of, well, it's been billed as a guard of honour for Fernando Alonso, but I still think that they think that Lewis and Seb are thinking, um, what does Alonso think he's doing? <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.